Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. At Sif Pop, we're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today, just like Ray was joined with all the Jedi, I'm joined by all the Civ Pop Writers. We write for CivPop.com. We provide movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to go to website CivPop.com to keep up with all of that. Uh, also, check out the Sifties that are on the site right now. They've been going live the last couple days. Uh, so we had on Sunday the uh, best audio experience uh, go live on the site. Uh, and then on Monday we had the best visual experience go live on the site. And then we had um, uh, on Tuesday we had the best performance go live on the site, top five in all those categories. And on today, the day that this launches at 2.30 p.m. Central Time is... Uh, the best film of 2021, according to our pop writers. So a uh, quick caveat about uh, some of that stuff. Um, there's going to be some different results on this show um, because what we did for the website is we said, let's come up with the best things. Uh, and for this podcast, we said, come up with your favorite things. So um, there are going to be different results. Uh, this is uh, not just being inconsistent. Um, it's not just us playing with things to get the results that we really want. Uh, it's just uh, we are have different categories for uh, different qualifiers for the way that this works. So uh, on this podcast, I asked each of our five writers or each of our writers to give their top five favorite movies of the year. Uh, and then I did a ranking category that we'll talk about in uh, just a little bit. And on the website, what we did was we had everybody submit their um, top five nominations and then anything and then the things that had the most uh, five most votes for nominations. Um, we let people vote strictly based off of those five nominations. So, um, yeah, uh, check out the website because it's not just the same stuff. Uh, and if you're on the website and you're here, thanks for being here because um, we're going to have some different things to talk about today. So um, on today's show, we'll be taking a look back at our top five films from 21, our favorite films from 2021. Uh, <clears throat> so the way this show will work is I will give my uh, my 21 movie opinions on 2021 films and then give you my top five of the year. Um, I get, I like doing this, uh, you know, last year it was 20 opinions of 2020, next year it'll be 2022. Uh, I like doing this. This is a lot of fun. Uh, and I get to make my categories and all that. So, uh, and then some writers will be, they've sent in their audio clips. You'll get a lot of, uh, different voices this week. 21 of our writers submitted. So 21 plus me. That's the number of voices that you're getting. Uh, that's all the show is. Um, and at the end of the writers, I'll give a um, a list of the total points that each film received. So um, if a writer put a film as their fifth favorite movie of the year, it gets one point. If they had it as their favorite film of the year, it gets five points. And then I took everybody's submissions and I totaled up the points and I have in front of me all of them 
in order. So um, I'll do that at the very end after you hear everybody's audio files. Uh, but before we go any further, I want to give a quick uh, patron shout out. So uh, this podcast, the Rogers Room podcast, just started a Patreon uh, at the start of 2022. And each time that a new Patreon member signs up to be a patron of the Rights Room podcast, they'll get a shout out on this. Uh, And so Shane Kanto, uh, one of the Sif Pop writers here, uh, becoming uh, the first Patreon of this uh, podcast. Thank you for your support, Shane. Really appreciate that. Uh, If you're interested in seeing some of the perks that Shane gets, uh, there are three different tiers. Uh, You can check them out on uh, patreon.com slash SIFPOPWR. That's the URL you can go to. There are three different tiers. The $5 tier gets you early access to these episodes. I try to put them out Tuesday uh, at noon, uh, but you know, a little bit of grace. Um, they will for sure be out Tuesdays, uh, about a 24-hour-ish advance uh, that you can get uh, these, these episodes on a weekly basis. That's noon central time, of course, since that's where I'm in. Um, and so uh, that's the first tier. You just get these early. Uh, the second tier is a $10 a month tier, and that is uh, you get a special bonus episode. Uh, so if you're listening to this, there will be a special episode this weekend coming out. Um, a Patreon-exclusive episode of Scream, the new film. Um, so a special bonus episode review coming exclusively to Patreon this week. Um, and then the $20 a month tier says you get to pick anything that you want me to watch or something like that. So it could be a book, it could be a TV show, it could be a movie. You get to pick what you want me to watch and you get your own personalized review from me. So that's the three different tiers. Again, if you're interested, patreon.com slash sifpopwr. Thank you for all your support. Uh, Thanks Shane for signing up. Uh, Without further ado, let's move on to the show proper. Uh, We'll start off with me giving my 21 movie opinions on 2021 films. Now I saw 82 films last year. Uh, notable exceptions of ones that I missed. I didn't get around to, uh, Pig and I didn't get around to Spencer. That's really the big ones, um, that I wasn't able to get around to. Swan Song, also up there. Um, Roadrunner, uh, that's really like the big ones that probably could have competed for something. Uh, but those are really the big, uh, ones that I missed out on this year, uh, due to timing. So, um, 82 films I saw last year. Um, Here are my 21 movie opinions. Uh, I changed up these categories a lot last year because there was like six or seven that were like relatively negative and I wanted to change that. I wanted to um, be more positive because I think that we need a little bit more positivity. So um, the first opinion that I have is that the most potential to climb my list, meaning a movie that I didn't really like, but I'm sure after subsequent viewings, I think it has the most potential to climb my list of rankings. Uh, That'd be West Side Story. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of this at all. I actually left the theater and actively hated the movie um, for lots of reasons that you know I don't really have the time to get into. Uh, but I, I think maybe it was just a mindset I was in. It was the first time I had experienced the story. I have some problems with the story. Uh, Ansel Elgort is not great in the movie. Um, I don't think he and the Maria character have any chemistry. Um, I don't. Yeah, lots of lots of problems. Uh, those being that being the biggest two, uh, I, but I think after subsequent watches, um, I am interested in revisiting this one. I think it'll climb my list for sure. Uh, the biggest surprise of the mo- of the year, uh, I'm gonna go with Cruella. Uh, I really thought I would like Cruella. I'm a big Emma Stone fan, and I uh, just was interested in this movie. Uh, I didn't expect it to be my eighth favorite film of the year. So Cruella. Um, 
big, big, big surprise. I expected it to be somewhere in the mid-range, but I really loved Cruella. Uh, funniest three movies of the year. I like to give three um, because different comedy styles, different things. Uh, the three films I laughed the most at this year uh, would be The Suicide Squad. Uh, really great. Um, really, really, really funny movie. Uh, Free Guy, of course. Um, I love Ryan Reynolds. A bunch of stuff that he does. And Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, which was a big surprise. This is one that I... I'm constantly quoting with my wife. Uh, really love Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, so check those out. Uh, best documentary of 2021, in my opinion, is Attica. This is a Showtime documentary that came out recently. Uh, I saw quite a few documentaries. I really like them. Uh, Attica was really good. They take a lot of raw footage from um, the Attica prison riot that happened in the 70s. Um, they interview some people that were part of that at this point. It's just really, really, really great storytelling. Um, really great, really well put together documentary. Congrats. Um, you can find it to buy on like Vudu or YouTube and stuff like that. It's not just Showtime. Uh, but if you have Showtime, please, please, please check out Attica. It's a great experience. Well, it's a painful experience. All of the trigger warnings, by the way. Um, all of the trigger warnings. But um, check it out if you want to see a really great documentary. Um, I decided to adapt uh, instead of doing like best soundtrack or whatever like that. I like the uh, audio experience because that includes score and soundtrack and all that. Um, Got to give this one to Bo Burnham's Inside. Uh, he uh, really does some magical stuff here. I'm not a big fan of every song, uh, but at least I see the purpose of most so of, of each song. Um, every song feels intentional. Every beat, every line, everything feels intentional. Um, and even the songs that don't really have necessary an overall necessarily an overall purpose uh, to explain kind of the current mood that we're in, such as White Woman's Instagram is... The biggest, uh, the biggest one for me, that feels like it could have just been on any one of Bo Burnham's soundtracks uh, or performances before. Uh, that's a great song. I love that one. So Bo Burnham is the best audio experience of the year. Best visual experience, gotta give this to Last Night in Soho. This is absolutely Edgar Wright's best work uh, visually. Um, it's not his best movie. It's far from his best movie. But I really like that Last Night in Soho. And a big reason why is the color schematics, um, the or the color schemes, I should say. Um, uh, the cinematography is gorgeous. Um, love the setting. I love the the fashion, uh, the art and set decoration, uh, the um, the costume designs. Uh, really, everything that could appeal uh, appease your eye uh, is in this movie. I love, love, love the visuals in this movie. Uh, again, same thing for top three original songs. Uh, I really, really, really. Um, you know, I, I, this is a new category, so I thought about just having one, but I, I can't not talk about these three. Uh, the the one that was snubbed for me from the Oscars uh, last year is uh, Speak Now from One Night in Miami. I think it should have been the winner. Uh, it was nominated, uh, but it really should have won. Still upset about that. Uh, we'll also go with No Time to Die, obviously. Uh, probably going to be the Oscar winner this year. Uh, really great song. Really great rendition uh, by Billie Eilish. Uh, and the other one, uh, Edgar's Prayer. I can't stop listening to this song. Uh, it's from Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. It's far from your like Oscars category, but it's it's so funny. Uh, Jamie Dornan uh, does some really great things. Uh, even if you haven't seen Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, uh, that's fine. Just YouTube search Edgar's Prayer. Uh, no context needed. Uh, best villain of the year. Uh, this was actually kind of a weak year for villains. I think you know a lot of times I think there's a pretty strong uh, standout, but I didn't necessarily have a feeling on that but i gotta give it to willem dafoe playing green goblin in uh spider-man no way home now he's kind of one of several villains and you know you can kind of count lots of people in that movie villains but i was just like you know the the mandarin was fine in shang chi and you know i'm not a big fan of uh the zack snyder's justice league and you know i'm not a big fan of 
Steppenwolf in that movie at all. Uh, so, um, not the biggest fan of Lucifer Saffin from uh, No Time to Die. Um, you know, there's kind of not really enough centralized villains of the Suicide Squad. You know, I thought about Amanda Waller because she's pretty terrifying. Um, you know, I just not kind of a weak year for villains to me. But um, Willem Dafoe is excellent as the Green Goblin. Uh, best animated movie of the year is The Mitchells vs. the Machines. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a great film. It's on Netflix. You should check it out. Best horror film is The Night House for me. Uh, this was one spot above Last Night in Soho for me. I love, love, love The Night House. Um, I haven't seen it since theater, so I'm not sure how much that impacted my experience. But I think uh, if you liked The Invisible Man, um, if you like things like uh, like Black Bear with Aubrey Plaza from last year, uh, The Night House is for sure a film for you. Can't recommend it enough. Um, and yeah, watch it in as much darkness as you can. And um yeah, make sure to turn the sound up. Uh, really, really, really love this movie. Um, best comic book movie has to go to Spider-Man No Way Home for me. Um, pretty pretty uh, easy to, to say that one. Uh, best musical. Got to go with Tick, Tick, Boom on this one. Um, In the Heights was uh, was running for for it pretty close. Uh, I really like to come from away on Apple TV Plus, but we're inside as well. Uh, Tick, Tick, Boom is the clear standout. Uh, love, love, love that movie. Uh, best stage recording. So I, I added this category because I don't think that you can count something like Hamilton in your best films of the year. Uh, so something kind of in that regard, especially as we're getting more and more of these kind of uh, recordings of you know on a Broadway stage or whatever. Uh, so I have to give this to my favorite thing that came out this year in and of itself, Derek Delgadio. Uh, it's not available on Hulu uh, in the States, and it just released on Disney Plus internationally. Uh, it's great stuff here about identity um, Derek Delgadio is an incredible storyteller. I've been singing it, this performance's praises all year, ever since I've seen it on the podcast. So it should be no surprise. This is still my number one of the year. Um, and uh, gosh, I just go check it out, please. Uh, but also, you know, it won't be in my top five. Uh, best male performer of the year. Uh, I like to do these not by performance, but by performer. So uh, if somebody has one film that they were in this year, uh, like an example would be like Idris Elba. Uh, you know, let's just say he was in the Heart, Heart of They Fall. That's like the most recent one he's in. Uh, we're not going just off of the Heart of They Fall. We're also going on Co Concrete Cowboy and uh, The Suicide Squad, you know, because he was in all of those movies that released this year. So that's kind of the um, the category or the criteria for that. So, uh, male performer has to go to Andrew Garfield. Uh, he's really incredible. Um, the, he's been in four movies this year. I've seen three of them. Uh, he mainstream is the one I haven't seen. And I don't think people really liked that movie, but I know people liked him in it. Uh, so, uh, of course he was in tick, tick, boom, which he's incredible for. He's my pick for, uh, who I think should win the best actor, actor, Oscar, best lead actor, Oscar this year. Uh, he's also really incredible in The Eyes of Tammy Faye, a movie that uh, uh, has not gotten a lot of love recently. Um, uh, spoiler alert, it's nowhere on anybody's list. Um, but, like, it's not the best movie, but uh, Andrew Garfield is really excellent playing Jim Baker in that movie. And, uh, spoilers, um, Spider-Man, he's really great. He's the best thing about the new Spider-Man movie to me. So, uh, male performer of the year, absolutely Andrew Garfield. Uh, female performer of the year, this one was kind of difficult because there was a couple performances I really liked, but there weren't a lot of like female actors actresses that were like in multiple projects. Uh, you know, there was uh, Stephanie Beatriz was the lead voice of uh, Encanto, playing Maribel, as well as she was in In the Heights. But um, uh, like that's 
like about the extent you got. Aquafina was in a couple of things. Ryan the Last Dragon, um, Shang Chi, and uh, I think Swan Song. Um, so like, um, you know, not not a clear like. Oh, these people were in like four things. Um, it came down to either Jessica Chastain or Jodie Comer, and I'm gonna go with Jodie Comer because I think that they're both incredible in their respective roles. Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye and Jodie Comer in the Last Duel. Um, they're kind of equal for me, but Jodie Comer was also in Free Guy, and that's not a movie that you know, requires much acting, but she's pretty great in it. So Jodie Comer is my female performer of the year. I hope she wins the Oscar for the last duel. I uh, wouldn't be upset if Jessica Chastain won, though. Uh, best acting ensemble. Uh, I decided to do this uh, more by percentage-wise um, because it doesn't. it's not fair if you have a movie like House of Gucci that has everybody in it um, versus if you have, like, a really good, like, small cast. So percentage-wise... Um, not necessarily, you know, something like Knives Out that has a million people in it, um, and they're all great. Uh, acting ensemble this year is Mass. Uh, Mass is a great film. Uh, it has four people in it total. Uh, well, four main characters. There's a couple supporting characters that are in it, uh, uh, just a little bit. But, um, uh, all four of the leads are absolutely incredible. Uh, specifically Jason Isaacs and Anne Dowd are the two that really stood out to me. Uh, Mass is, uh, we'll talk more about Mass in a, in a little bit, but um, uh, they're my picks for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscar, and, back, and Actress at the Oscar this year. Mass is great acting. Uh, best scene in, uh, in the year is, uh, I decided to classify this as Bond's Goodbye, the last scene that we see Daniel Craig in as the role in uh, 007 No Time to Die. Um, I thought this was really incredibly well done, uh, a great um, send-off for the character, uh, or at least Daniel Craig's portrayal as him. Um, and uh, yeah, really, really incredible um, scene there. So that's my favorite scene of the year. And honestly, I could have picked three or four scenes from this movie. There's a there's a one in a stairwell that's really great. Um, there's the scene with Anna de Armas' Paloma um, that's also great. But I had to give it to the ending. And the best moment um, is uh, in the film. Sorry, separate category. Best moment of 2021 is when Peter saves MJ... Um, this is, uh, when, uh, in Spider-Man No Way Home where MJ is falling and, uh, Peter comes and saves her, uh, really, really incredible moment, really powerful, great acting, um, love, love, love that moment. Um, it's by far my favorite part of that movie and it is my favorite moment of the year. The movie that I'm going to watch the most is going to be Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, I just saw this within the last week and I already want to see it three or four times. I've been listening to the soundtrack nonstop. I... Cannot wait to see this movie again. I, I feel like I'm going to watch this movie the most out of any film that came out this year um, you know, in my lifetime. Um, the best movie this year, uh, the movie that I uh, really hope wins the best picture uh, is Mass. Uh, again, Mass is about um, six years after a school shooting, the parents of one of the victims and the shooter... Um, get together in a room to talk. It's a very um, dialogue-heavy movie. It's very well um, acted. Uh, it's very well directed. It's got an incredible screenplay. I would love for it to get some screenplay love as well. Uh, I really just don't want to tell you anything about it other than like other than just it's such a raw experience. Um, check out Mass, um, please. <laughs> and my favorite movie of the year is Coda on Apple TV+. Um, it's, it's very schmaltzy. But it is um, forgivable to me. Um, I loved Coda. I loved my experience. I've seen it, I think, three times now. 
And uh, I, yeah, I think it's a great, great film. Um, and uh, I think that it's so heartwarming that everybody should see it. So uh, Coda on Apple TV Plus, it's definitely worth a free trial or since Apple TV Plus only costs $5 a month consider it a rental and watch Ted Lasso while you're over there because Ted Lasso is the best thing on TV. Anyway, there's my 21 movie opinions on 2021 films. Thanks for sticking around with that. Let me know what uh, you think on Twitter uh, or uh, send us an email, writersroom.sifpop.com on what you disagree with on my list, what you would pick instead. Um, you know, Who is your favorite villain of the year? What's your favorite documentary? Um, what would you classify as the best moment of the year, uh, the best scene of the year, the acting ensemble? Uh, let me know. I'd love to hear your opinions. Um, uh, and so moving on, uh, I'll give my top five uh, of the year. But first, I want to say uh, we had 21 writers submit. Uh, if this, there were eight that couldn't. Some people were sick, so their voice kind of sucked. Um, some people just couldn't get around to the time. You know, we're all uh, we're all busy people, so uh, absolutely no fault uh, to the people that couldn't submit. Uh, but we did have 21 writers that did submit uh, their top five audio recording. So a uh, couple returning writers, um, Alex, uh, Alice, Chantal, Evan, Jake, Robert, and Shane. They were all a part of the Sifties last year, or the top five episode last year from the writer's room. Uh, and a lot of new writers. Um, uh, some writers that have been around for a little bit, they've even been on the podcast, but they weren't around for last year's Sifties. So uh, Adam, uh, Austin, Chris, Foster, Heath, Ian, Jeffrey, who... This is his first time, uh, his voice on this podcast. He hasn't been a guest yet. Uh, Kristen, Matt, May, Mike, Nick, Rowan, again, another one who this is his first time his voice will be on the podcast, and Scott. So uh, there's the writers that you'll be hearing from, uh, and uh, this will go in alphabetical order uh, to not show any, uh, you know, to, to, to have some sort of organization, um, but that just seemed like the best way to do it. Uh, alphabetical, we will um, we'll have that uh, coming up. Uh, but first, my top five of the year. At five, I have The Night House. I've already talked about how much I love The Night House. Uh, four is Spider-Man No Way Home. Three is Mast. Two is Tick, Tick, Boom. And one is Coda. I've talked enough about each of those films. That's my top five films of the year of 2021. Um, it's been a good year for movies. Uh, lots, of, lots of stuff that's worth checking out. Uh, but that's my top five. Uh, I'm ready to pass this off. Um, we'll let... You hear from each of the writers, and then I'll give you the recap of uh, the point values uh, at the end of this. So enjoy hearing from 21 of our Sif Pop writers. Hi, everyone. I'm Adam, contributing writer to Sif Pop and regular 20th century flicks columnist. You can catch me at Curb Rider on Letterboxd. My favorite five movies for 2021 are as follows. In fifth, I have Bo Burnham's Inside, a literal work of genius in my opinion, not only uproariously funny but also poignant, topical, and something that future generations will look back on for a legitimate slice of pandemic history. In fourth, I have Don't Look Up. I do realise I love this more than most, but I don't care. It speaks to me on so many levels, and for me, the satire hits perfectly as Adam McKay holds a mirror up to the current era and makes us realise how poor we are doing as a global society. Third, I have The Father. This is not only an incredibly constructed film, but it also offers us one of the greatest acting performances of the last decade. Hopkins fully deserved his win for this. My own father was experiencing early onset Alzheimer's before he passed last year, and this film helped me to understand his plight a little bit more and put things into perspective. In second, I have Pig. If you like Taken and John Favreau's Chef, then you're probably going to enjoy Pig. An award-worthy, restrained performance from Nick Cage follows a loner who has his truffle pig kidnapped and goes on the hunt for the culprits. Believe the hype, this is heartbreakingly brilliant. 
And in first, I have June, a visual and oral spectacular from Denny Villeneuve. I do understand this is only half the story, but I was satisfied not getting dessert for a few more years, especially after the feast that was served up for the entirety of this. I knew nothing about the world before I saw it, and Villeneuve managed to draw me in and tell me everything I wanted and needed to know. You can tell he's a fan of the source material, an absolute high recommend from me, especially if you're a science fiction fan. Hello uh, everyone, it is Alex here, also known as Alex Reviews and Stuff. You'll know me on Twitter as Alex Makes Vids, and uh, I've you know been on the podcast a couple times. Uh, let's let's go ahead and do it. Let's jump right into it and not waste your time. You got a whole lot of other people to listen to, so here we go. Uh, number five. A lot of people really, really didn't like this movie, but I personally did. I don't know. I have only seen it the one time. Could very much change on a second viewing, but it hit me right on the day I saw it. Talking about Eternals, I really, really loved what Koei Zhao brought to the MCU. Uh, it, I can completely understand how a lot of people are like, this is tonally just not right. It feels like a filmmaker battling with a studio. I see that. It just didn't do any damage for me in my viewing. Like, it just felt like a Marvel movie that was just trying new stuff that I really appreciated. I think everybody is really great in it. Uh, I, I really hope that we get to see more of these characters. I, I would imagine that because of the reception, they might not want to do more moving forward. But I would really appreciate seeing more of these characters moving forward. So let's go on to number four. Uh, number four, again, another movie a lot of people hate it, but... I loved it because I'm a huge fan of the franchise. I'm talking about Spiral from the Book of Saw. I, it just did the job for me. I, I love Saw movies. They're a huge guilty pleasure. I genuinely think that some of them are pretty interesting as cliche as a lot of the dialogue can be for like procedural dramas and stuff, you know? I thought Chris Rock was fine. I didn't really have any issues with his performance. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson's in here for a little bit, and I forget his name, but he played his partner all really great. Uh, it, I feel like it was a great step up from Jigsaw, and I, I kind of want to spiral too. I, I just, that's how I feel. Anyway, moving on to number three. Uh, there's been a lot of debate. If you can count this as a movie, I'm going to count it as a movie because it meant that much to me. I'm going to go with Bo Burnham's inside. Like, <sighs> the man's a genius. If, if you somehow have not seen Bo Burnham's inside, just just go check it out at this point. I, I, I can't guarantee it'll live up to the hype, but as someone who was alone a lot during like that first half of quarantine in 2020, uh, it, it hit me really hard. Even brought me to tears towards the end. And it was just stupid stuff that brought me to tears, but it was because I was like, oh, I can connect to this because I had to spend a lot of time alone during the pandemic. And it kind of sucked. <laughs> But, uh, he's a straight-up genius. Uh, I, I loved it. In my eyes, I see it as kind of a documentary, and that's why I've got to put it on this list, because I just, I walked away with so much more than just silly songs. I walked away with a lot. It just, this man's journey of just breaking down over time through this pandemic and commentary on what's going on in the world while it's happening, it just resonated with me. This next one, I had it number one for like a week and then i saw it again and went down to number two but it's still really really good and almost made it to number one and that is spider-man no way home because i'm a huge spider-man fan and if you've seen this you know what this probably meant to me because i uh i grew up on a lot of the other spider-man movies that meant a lot to me as a kid that got me interested in the character 
And not only that, but I personally have been iffy on the MCU Spider-Man. I, I didn't... I, I really liked Homecoming, but I didn't love it. I, I thought Far From Home was okay at best. Because I, there's just something about Tom Holland's Spider-Man that I just couldn't connect with. That... I feel like you've definitely heard this complaint before, but like... I'm not a fan of the Peter Parker that just got brought in to the regular Spider-Man stuff. I like the normal progression of how we've kind of seen it before with the Raimi films and the Mark Webb films. And by the end of this movie and the conclusion of this home trilogy, I, I was like, oh, I get it now. I get what they were doing. And I respect the other two movies a little bit more now. And that's why this movie hit more for me. So that's why it's on this list. <laughs> and number one, uh, I, I'm not sure how many people have this on the list. I on their list, it might not be that many. It might just be me. But um, I walked away with number one being the Suicide Squad. I am all for James Gunn superhero movies. He has done no wrong for me yet. And. As someone who loved 2016 Suicide Squad, I was scared that I wouldn't like this because I, it's a guilty pleasure. But I appreciate it so much about this movie. Just, just I, I get what it's like to be like a D-list person. At least think of yourself as a D-list person amongst all these other great people. There's a great deleted scene in this movie with Polka Dot Man. And the thinker that I wish was in the movie, but I also completely understand why they cut it. But it's this back and forth between you're the world, one of the world's worst supervillains. If you Google it, you show up and everything. And I've, I, I know what it's like to have that mindset of just like you're not the best you can be. And as human beings, we think little of ourselves and we don't praise ourselves up as much as we should living life through our eyes. And we meet these people that tell us that we are better than we are. And we don't believe it because we're just not desi like designed to believe it. And that that's just what I got from the message of this movie. It's just, I, I just, I, I know like a lot of people could be like, no, that's, I don't know how you got that, but you got that somehow. I, I got it. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, have a great year. And movies are awesome. They're just awesome. Hi, everyone. My name's Alice, Alice Ginevra McKelly if you want the full name, and I'm one of the writers for siftpop.com, and I'm coming to you today with my top five movies of 2021, with the caveat that I have not yet seen every movie I want to see, so this list is very much subject to change. However, as of uh, today, Thursday, the 6th of January, when I'm recording this, these are the films that have cracked my top five so far. So let's get into it. Coming in at number five, we have Disney's newest entrant into their animation oeuvre, Encanto. An absolutely beautiful exploration into Colombian magical realism. Not only is this just stunning to look at in its technical achievement and its development of story and character, but the songs are insane earworms. I am still to this day waking up with some lyric in my head and it has not left and I don't want it to leave because it is just so much fun. Uh, obviously they were developed by Lin-Manuel Miranda which I didn't know going in but once I found out made absolute sense. It'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry, it's very enjoyable, I do recommend. Number four, I have another Disney animation film, Raya and the Last Dragon. With some of the best fight choreography in this entire year, this film is something to look at. 
such an interesting exploration into Southeast Asian culture with amazing characters, beautiful story, and of course the Disney magic. I couldn't not put it on this list considering how many times I wanted to watch it after first seeing it. And it's somehow completely different to Encanto. So if you liked one, you'll definitely like the other. Coming in at number three, the third and final animation on my list, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. Talk about not expecting anything when I went in. I thought this was going to be a write-off and it somehow ended up for a very long time being my favorite movie of the year. Zany is really the right word here. It is fun, it is eclectic, and the animation style takes what we saw in Spider-Verse and really creates something completely new that I would love to see more films in. Not to mention it is intelligent, it is witty, the characters you relate to and yet you can't believe they exist as with the story and if you haven't seen it please please watch it it's on netflix it deserves more love it is honestly probably the best animated film this year it really should win the oscar might not but i'm throwing it out there then number two we have shang chi and the legend of the ten rings i would say fighting raya for best fight choreography is definitely this film It's magical, it's Marvel, it's a great origin story, and it makes me really, really excited for this next phase. Not to mention that this was the first film I saw out of Melbourne, Australia's long lockdown, and it was an IMAX, so it was perfect for what I wanted going back into the cinema. I'm so excited to see where Shang-Chi goes, and I think that everyone in it did a fantastic job. The people behind the camera did fantabulous jobs. I'm very excited. And then number one, speaking of Marvel, speaking of excitement, I cannot believe this is my favorite movie of the year, but it is Spider-Man No Way Home. I just can't say anything else. Being in the cinema for this film was an experience unlike anything I've had since Endgame and almost more than that. I'm not going to say anymore because this is something you need to experience with the least amount of information possible, but... It was everything I wanted and somehow it exceeded my expectations. Spider-Man No Way Home takes it out. So that's my top five. You can follow me at Ali G Mick, M-I-C-H on Letterboxd and Instagram. I hope you guys enjoyed and I'll see you around next time. Goodbye. Hello, everyone. This is Austin Terry. I am a writer for Sif Pop and you can follow me on social media at GreenArrow07. And here are my top five favorite films of 2021. Uh, first off, we have Encanto. Encanto was a surprise hit for me, uh, mainly because of the music and the animation style was really, really good. Uh, but what really set this apart for me uh, was the biggest surprise for me was Stephanie Patrice as Mirabelle. I am used to seeing Stephanie as Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, which is a big contrast to her character as Mirabelle. And she absolutely killed it in this role, and I was shocked when I saw who was playing her, who was voicing her in this movie. It surprised me that much. My second uh, film for 2021 is Luca. Luca is another surprise hit for me, but Pixar just really knows how to pull on the heartstrings and knock them out of the park. Uh, A common theme with the movies that I have on my list this year was people growing to realize they need to be who they are and not who people want them to be. And Luca really hit pretty close to home with its message uh, about Luca trying to get out and be his own person away from his family and just to try to grow and learn who he is in the world and where this, uh, where he goes in this world. And that's why it really hit close home to me. Uh, my third favorite film of 2021 is Tick, Tick, Boom. 
I can say three things about this movie. First, Andrew Garfield deserves to be nominated for every award he can be for this. And when those awards ceremonies come, he deserves to uh, win every single award he gets nominated for for this movie. He delivers a powerful performance and is just phenomenal. I did not know he could sing this well. I did not know he could do half the things he does in this movie. This movie is just phenomenal and inspired me to go look up and watch more of Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Landis, more stuff like Rant and other things. Also, second, I'm turning 30 this year, and the song 3090 has been stuck in my head for the last two weeks since seeing this movie, and I absolutely love it. This song is just, it's just a great song. So is Therapy. Uh, and finally, go watch this movie now. It's on Netflix. If you have Netflix, go watch this movie. My second favorite film of 2021 was Coda. Uh, Coda is a movie that is on Apple uh, TV Plus and is just a phenomenal movie. I knew going into this movie that Amelia Jones could sing uh, because she was on an episode of Doctor Who called The Rings of Attican, uh where she had to sing and it was just, she has an amazing voice and I knew uh, going in she would just knock this one out of the park. This movie is truly heartwarming a warming film and that will make you cry just go watch this movie it is phenomenal if you don't have it apple tv go find someone that does get it for free just to watch this movie it is so good and finally my number one film for 2021 should not be a surprise for anyone because i love superhero movies it is spider-man no way home i realized the second viewing of uh, spider-man that i probably saw the first 2002 uh, Spider-Man movie with my grandfather and this being going on Christmas to see this movie for the second time it just hit so home, much home to me not being able to see it with him I was not expecting this movie to be as good as it was had no right to being as good as it was I have seen it twice and I've cried both times go watch this movie I want to thank y'all for uh, having me on Sif Pop and these are my top five films thank you How's it going, you guys? This is Chantel Ashford. I am a contribute writer for Sif Pop. You can also find me at underscore Akira XO and also under that same name on Letterboxd. Now I'm going to give you my top five of 2021, starting with number five, The Power of the Dog, number four, Passing, number three, Spider-Man No Way Home, number two, Judas and the Black Messiah, and number one, topping it off, is going to be The Harder They Fall. I hope you guys have a great 2022, and I will see you around. Hello everyone, this is Chris Buckard, your resident Dutchman at the Sifpop writing staff, and this is my top 5 for 2021. Coming in at number 5, we have Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. Um, I think I enjoyed this more than I was expecting to, just because I'd heard about the perspective shift in the film before I watched it, but I didn't know that it was going to be used to such great effect as it is here. Uh, I think the performances here are fantastic, especially Jodie Comer, who I think deserves probably at least a nomination for this role, if not a win. And it is just a great example of using perspective to highlight people's experiences, but also to really show a power balance within both a society, a marriage, or just any regular old situation, especially back in the times where it's set. Coming in at number four, we have Petite Maman, a French film directed by Céline Siama, who is also the director of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, this is quite a short film, it's only about 17 minutes long, but I don't think I've ever seen 
Um, so much childlike empathy really brought on screen in the way that it's done here. As I said, it's fairly short, but there's and there's not a lot going on here as well in terms of like action and things of that nature, but there's so much raw emotion on display here, even if both leads are eight-year-old girls, which was a, um, a fantastic surprise for me. I thought they did a fantastic job here, and this is definitely one of the most pure childlike movies I've ever seen. Number three for me this year is The Father, for which Sir Anthony Hopkins, of course, won the Oscar. Um, the thing that really struck me about this film is how jumbled its setting is, obviously uh, because of the subject matter that it tries to tackle, um, but what really struck me about it is how clear and coherent it does end up being for how jumbled it is by design. Um, I think the performances here again are incredible, uh, Olivia Coleman putting in a fantastic performance as she always does, and of course Sir Anthony Hopkins. I. I felt like a couple of moments here there where I uh, forgot that I was actually watching a performance and I just started to feel for the character that he was p portraying and there are very few movies that managed to make me do that. Number two for me is The Night House and just like last year I was really surprised to have a horror movie this high in my list. Uh, just like The Invisible Man last year I just really liked how this movie dealt with the trauma of the main character and also the situation that she finds herself in being so unbelievable to outsiders and I think Rebecca Hall's performance is absolutely sublime in this movie. Uh, just the way that she manages to portray this deep serious hurt but also her frustration um, with being not believed with uh, what so clearly is happening is um, one of my favorite performances of this year to be honest. And finally, number one for me this year, The Green Knight. I've been a fan of David Lowry since I saw A Ghost Story, and this movie really does keep up the uh, very high quality of his work. I think using a very old poem like he did for as source material for a film like this, it has all sorts of obstacles in the way, and the way he navigated those to tell a deeply compelling morality tale for this century that we're living in now, I think that is testament to how smart of a director he actually is. This is absolutely my favorite movie to come out this year. So, there you have it. That is my top five. Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Luckin with my top five for 2021. The first film on my list is The Green Knight at number five. This movie was moody. I really enjoyed the dour tone of it. Uh, I really like how it jumped into the Arthurian uh, legends and lore without holding your hand with it. So if you knew about it, then awesome. If you didn't, then you're just kind of on for a great ride. Uh, Dev Patel delivered a great performance, and the story is both simple but also great in its texture and detail. Fourth on the list is In the Heights. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I don't know if musicals just were hitting me more this year because this one hit me pretty darn good. Uh, I don't know the story of Into the Heights until I saw this movie, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is awesome pretty much any time he has to write any music or story. So this movie was absolutely wonderful. Number three... 
keeping in that same vein, tick, tick, boom, uh, really surprised me. I didn't know anything about this movie going into it. And uh, Andrew Garfield gave an amazing performance. Uh, and the music, everything, the story, all of it just hit me on all cylinders. Uh, I couldn't recommend it enough. In fact, I have recommended it quite a bit, and I will continue to do so. Uh, but yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom, definitely... Uh, again, another Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, he, he, just, he knows what he's doing. Uh, number two, Bo Burnham's Inside. This movie... <laughs> uh, this hit me in a way that I was not expecting it to. Uh, it took me quite a while to process my thoughts on it. It still hits me uh, from time to time. I'm constantly pulling up the music. Uh, or the videos on YouTube or just throwing it on Netflix to watch it. Um, Bo Burnham is just phenomenal pretty much all the time. And uh, this this hit me. It, it made me emotional. It made me laugh. It hit me kind of in ways that I just, again, wasn't expecting. And uh, this one will stick for a long, long time. And my number one favorite of the list, not the best movie of the year, because that's not what we're doing, uh, is going to be Spider-Man No Way Home. Though I do think it's a great movie, it is definitely my favorite for everything that it came in trying to do. Uh, the fact that it pulled off what it was trying to do is an undertaking in and of itself. This is effectively Spider-Man's endgame Uh I don't want to spoil it for anyone that has somehow not seen it yet, but uh, there are payoffs upon payoffs, and it has me really excited to see where they might go in the future. And it's great to have no real idea of what that might be. But anyways, this has been my top five for 2021. Keep watching. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. My name is Foster Harlfinger, and of course, since I'm on here, that means I'm one of the writers for Sift Pop. Now, quick note, it takes me a long time to process how I feel about certain movies, so all of this is subject to change, and five years from now, it's almost certainly going to look entirely different. But for now, my number five is Licorice Pizza. Really, it comes down to Cooper Hoffman and Alana Haim. I think they're both dorky, they're fun to watch. The movie itself is hilarious too, and you've got a lot of great supporting performances as well, but I just really enjoyed the ride with these characters. It's got this warm, cozy feel to it. The visuals are great. Of course, it's Paul Thomas Anderson, and that's my number five of the year. At number four, I've got Spider-Man No Way Home. This one's a little tricky for me just because if I'm going on pure enjoyment and emotion, this is the most fun I've had at a movie theater this year. I loved what they did with most of the characters. I thought Tom Holland was great. Willem Dafoe is fantastic. I love that the filmmakers chose to keep off his mask for the majority of the movie because they rightfully realized that Willem Dafoe's face is scary enough on its own. But the only thing that keeps this from uh, reaching my number one or two is that it never quite reaches the highs of the Sam Raimi or even the Mark Webb Spider-Mans when it comes to the action and cinematography. Those movies are just so vibrant and colorful and... This, the climax of this movie, you can tell it was shot in front of a blue screen, but otherwise, loved it, had a great time. My number three is Coda. This is one of those movies that follows the same beats you've seen a million times before, but when you're watching Coda, you just don't care. It's delightful, it's super moving, and honestly, in a few years, this might be the one for my top five that I have the strongest emotional attachment to. For my number two, I'm going to go with Spencer. 
Now I tend to flip back and forth on my number one and two. Uh, my number two, Spencer, is the one that gives me everything I want out of a movie on a technical level, whereas my number one gives me everything I want out of a movie on an emotional level. But with Spencer, I think the cinematography is pretty ridiculous. Um, it's shot by Claire Mathen, who gives the movie this kind of foggy, hazy look. Um, I just don't understand how one can point a camera and have the visuals look this good. Johnny Greenwood's score, probably my favorite thing about the movie, and it's definitely my favorite score of the year. Um, it's just fantastic. Uh, and I also just love the structure of this movie. It's acting as an external representation of Diana's internal state of mind. As a result, Kristen Stewart never feels like she's imitating Princess Diana. The movie never feels like a play-by-play -play of the events of her life. And for some, that might be annoying, but for me personally, I found that it allowed me to connect with the emotion of the story on a much deeper level than with traditional biopics. And for my number one, I'm going to go with Mass, which, like I said, is the movie that hits me on the deepest level emotionally. And my favorite thing about movies in general is performances. I just think it's the coolest thing in the world. And this movie has four of the best I think I've ever seen. Martha Plimpton, Jason Isaacs, Ann Dowd, Reed Burney. It's hard to rank them, but Ann Dowd was the one who moved me the most upon rewatching it this week. Uh, the dialogue also just feels so natural to the point where it's kind of uncomfortable to watch. Um, it feels like you've been gifted access to this private, personal moment between these four characters. What I really like about Mass is that it doesn't have its characters debate politics or assign blame to one another, although it does that, I suppose, a little bit at the beginning, but really the movie acts as an exercise in empathy and getting to know your fellow humans and then coming to understand, or coming to an understanding, I should say, with people that you assumed you'd never be able to like, love, or even understand. Uh, for me, Mass is the most moving movie of the year. It has the best performances of the year. It has my favorite screenplay of the year. And that's why I'm going to go with it as my number one. So those are my five favorites from 2021. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, you could find me on Twitter. If you want to see uh, what movies I'm watching, you could find me on Letterboxd. Both of those are F-O-S-T-H-1-0-1. Thanks again. Hey, everyone. This is Heath Lynch with Sif Pop reaching out to give you my top five movies of 2021. Uh, my number five movie Sticking around from last year's Oscar-nominated group is Judas and the Black Messiah. I found this movie to be absolutely riveting. Even if you're familiar with the real-life subject material, uh, the way that this movie was put together felt more like a thriller than a traditional biopic. Uh, I thought that the acting was also quite spectacular. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya rightfully winning an Oscar for his role in this film. I actually thought Lakeith Stanfield was my personal favorite standout, and uh, it's incredibly rewatchable. My number four film of the year, still around from last year's Oscars, is Minari. Uh, I found this to be an incredibly emotional and moving piece, uh, cataloging the American dream from the perspective that we normally are not accustomed to seeing. It was very well acted. Stephen Yoon, in particular, doing a fantastic job uh, as our lead. Um, but even down to the child actors, I thought were very well uh, crafted, fully formed characters that uh, led to the story making a very emotional impact on me by its ending. My number three film now jumps into films that could potentially be in contention for this year's Oscar race uh, would be The Last Duel. I absolutely loved this movie. Uh, the surprise Rashomon-style filmmaking uh, that was really not marketed at all was very gripping. 
I actually wish this film had better marketing so that more people would have gone to see it because it is transfixing in all the best ways. Although the subject matter dealing around rape is quite uncomfortable, it is supposed to be. And it brings a lot of important subjects to light and starts a lot of conversations. It's also incredibly well acted. Matt Damon uh, doing a decent job. Ben Affleck was actually quite funny. Uh, but the standouts being Adam Driver and especially Jodie Comer were fantastic. Uh, Comer in particular was uh, across the board terrific, especially given all the different perspectives that she has to play throughout this film. My number two favorite film uh, was The Green Knight. Uh, this is an adaptation of Sir Gawain and The Green Knight, the Arthurian poem. And man, this movie had my number. Uh, everything about it I thought was transfixing. David Lowry behind the camera certainly knows how to direct his butt off. I thought Dev Patel was terrific as Sir Gawain in the lead role. The supporting cast around him was also quite good. I thought Sean Harris in particular as King Arthur was really nice. Uh, but the cinematography in this, the artistry behind which the story is told, and that ending uh, really captivated me, and it holds strong. I actually thought it was going to be my number one movie of the year until I get to my actual number one, which snuck in at the end of the year, and that's Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Oh my gosh, this knocked my socks off. I am a huge musical fan. Uh, I love the original West Side Story. I didn't think it could be improved upon, but I thought this was perfection and is now the definitive version of this story uh the way this movie is shot the cinematography the colors that they use and their costumes and the way the scenes are constructed the singing the music everything about it is perfection i loved it and i hope this receives all the awards uh, if you like what you hear here feel free to follow me at letterbox at the one heath bar and i'll see you at sif pop Hi guys, I'm Ian Whittington. Um, I'm a writer and editor for Cinema Sins and do other various nerdy things on the internet. And here's my definitive best top five of 2021. It's not not a subjective list. This is objectively the five best films that that came out in 2021. Um, all other lists are invalid. Um, so at number five, um, I've got a sneaky entry that I only saw a few weeks ago, and that were a couple weeks ago, actually, which was Don't Look Up. So that just, just snuck in to my top five. And yeah, man, this film has split people down the middle, but it sounds dumb, but I don't understand why. Like, it's good. It's a great movie. It's a great satire. Um, it's a great commentary on the pandemic, um, even though it's specifically aimed at climate change. Um, it just walks that line of being utterly ridiculous, but oh my goodness, this could happen. Like, it's that really unnerving line between, nah, but maybe, but maybe we are just close enough for it to be real. Um, it's great to see, uh, great to see Leo do a really zany, unique role. I love it when he does stuff like this. Um, yeah, really tick my boxes. Uh, number four will probably be a bit surprising, perhaps, but it's Spencer. And no, it's not because I'm English. Um, so I don't really have an attachment to the royal family at all. And I'm not even too sure why I saw this. Uh, no, I know exactly why I saw this film. Aaron Dyson made me watch it. And I was like, I'm not going to like this. And I ended up loving it. Um, uh, Kristen Stewart is she went for it with this performance and it doesn't feel like an impersonation it feels like an interpretation and this story is 
an interpretation of events. It's a fable based on a true story. Um, I think where it's received a bit of criticism is where it's it drifts too far from the truth. But it's yeah, it's a probably not too extreme version of what happened. The performance that Kristen Stewart gives is fantastic. It's quirky. It deals with some stuff I didn't expect it to, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, next is Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, I'm not too sure if we're doing spoilers or not. I mean, if you've been on the internet, you know what happens in this movie. I went into it thinking, there's no way they're going to do what I think they're going to do. And if they do do what I think they're going to do, there's no way they can pull it off. Um, And they did do what I thought they were going to do, and they did pull it off, and it was incredible. Um, It's the only time last year that I made audible noises at the cinema. And it's one of the very very rare times i've ever done that i think to the 2009 abram star trek film was the last time i went whoa yeah get it but when a certain person showed up in a living room um it was uh sorry in a dining room it was incredible it just filled my heart with joy yeah it's so so well done it's busy it's a lot it goes to some bonkers bonkers leaps of logic to get to where it needs to go but i yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it apparently with six billion other people that have gone to see the film um number two is the harder they fall again another really surprising one watched it based on a recommendation went into it not even knowing it was a western i just kind of closed my eyes and pressed play um and this is the best western i've seen in such a long time it's unique it's original it's hilarious and then it's dramatic and it's heartfelt and sincere the action is fantastic um i think it's the best i've seen zazie beats and be in a film the cast is outstanding it's one of the few films where we aren't totally wasting Idris Elba for a change. Even though he's not in it much, what he does do is really, really great. Um, so yeah, sneaky surprise. Absolutely loved it. And last but not least, it's Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes, um, Andrew Garfield. I didn't know I needed him in my life, but I really, really do. And he needs to stay there forever and ever. Singing, dancing, being himself, being endearing, being adorable. Um, the songs in this are fantastic. The story, again, is heartfelt and real. Um, the way it deals with relationships is unique and relatable. He, I really want him to get the Oscar for this. And of course, wish um, uh, Jonathan Larson could have been here to see it as well. Absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. That is my top five. Uh, if you disagree, well, you're wrong. Bye. Geek with my top five movies of 2021. I got a chance to see the vast majority of what I wanted to get to. So with apologies to Licorice Pizza, here are my favorites. 2021 was a fantastic year for the use of sound in movies and television. Particularly when it comes to highlighting deaf characters and things like Only Murders in the Building and A Quiet Place Part 2. Edging the latter out, for my number five spot is CODA, which stands for Child of Deaf Adults. A story about a high schooler following her love of music while balancing her role in her family where she is the only hearing person. It's such a beautiful and creative story with a movingly edited climax. Speaking of masterful editing, 
My number four is the father. Anthony Hopkins deservedly took home the Oscar for his portrayal of a man with Alzheimer's. Olivia Coleman is also spectacular as his daughter. While these two main performances are breathtaking, the way the film is edited perfectly highlights the confusion wrought by the disease for a powerful and moving experience. At number three, probably the most anticipated and hyped film of the year, and the fact that Spider-Man No Way Home lived up to that hype is almost an unbelievable feat. While the spectacle is a sight to behold, with sublime performances and emotion in the movie that elevates it above other solid comic book flicks. From Tom Holland to Zendaya, William Defoe, and others, everyone bought their A-games in this one. The runner-up for me actually sat at number one for quite a few months. The documentary, Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Directed by Morgan Neville, the man behind the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, my favorite film of that year. Neville once again transports the viewer into the world of another television icon, making his film feel almost like an episode of Bourdain's shows as friends and colleagues try to reconcile with tragedy. Be sure to know your triggers before checking this one out. So what unseated Roadrunner? The most striking and beautiful film I saw this year. One that isn't even color for the vast majority of its runtime. Kenneth Branagh's Belfast is gorgeous and a touching and personal reminiscence of growing up in the titular city during the troubles. The performances are fantastic, and Jude Hill is a revelation, and it takes my top spot because of that and so many other reasons. That's all I've got. You can follow me either on Twitter at Jake underscore Bajoyce or Letterbox at J Bajoyce. The best way to find me would be in Sif Pop's follows so you don't have to try to spell the last name. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Jeffrey Romming, contributing writer for Sif Pop, and these are my top five films of the year. First off, we have Spider-Man No Way Home. This movie is an example of how, in my opinion, emotional resonance is more important than almost anything when it comes to movies. No Way Home is a movie where if you think about the plot for too long, there's like 15 plot holes, and that's a conservative estimate. There's really a lot about this movie that really does not make sense. But it's still great. The filmmakers took a plot that so easily could have been cheesy and awful and made something truly spectacular out of it. This was a really surprising tearjerker of a film. It's not only Tom Holland's best performance as Spider-Man, but it's his best performance in anything. And of course, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, one of the best performances of the year. Literally Oscar-worthy. He should get a supporting actor nom. He won't, but he should. Next up is No Time to Die. Not even the biggest James Bond fan, but this film is just kind of undeniably good. It looks absolutely beautiful. It's probably one of the best-paced movies of the year. It's two hours and 15 minutes, and it keeps you engaged the whole time. Some insanely well-crafted action sequences, too. Also, No Time to Die has one of the best ensembles in any film this year. It's just stacked with incredible actors. Lashana Lynch, Ray Fiennes, Anna de Armas, Rami Malek. I could literally list off every cast member in every little role in this movie, and it would be a top-tier actor. And Daniel Craig as James Bond. Obviously, great perfectly capping off his time as this character. It's such a fun and emotional film, even if you're not a Bond fan. My third favorite is Judas and the Black Messiah. 
a lot of people forget this released in 2021 because it's already won Oscars uh, in the past year. Um, from a script and filmmaking level, I just kind of like this film. I think it's a really honest depiction of Black Panther, the Black Panther Party, and how the U.S. government dismantled it through espionage and assassination. But the reason that I love this movie was Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton. Just hands down, still one of the best performances of the last five years. It was a well-deserved Oscar win, and it made me so excited to see what that actor does with his future. In second place, we have King Richard. This is the feel-good film of the year. I'm a sucker for stories about real people who everybody thought was crazy, and then they pulled it off. I liked how the film didn't just focus on Richard and Venus and Serena, but went out of its way to show how every member of the family and every coach helped them along the way as well. The way the movie develops all these side characters while still never losing focus on the main character is what makes it feel so engaging and alive. And of course, Will Smith as King Richard, my favorite performance of this year. So good. I'm afraid that Will Smith might not even get nominated, uh, but he should win Best Actor in my opinion. My favorite movie of the year is a movie that I did not see until the last week of the year. I didn't see it in theaters, and honestly, I kind of regret it, and that is The Last Duel. I love this movie. I think this film is probably among the best ever made. Seriously. I could talk about this for hours. Uh, just every single aspect of this film. The way it weaves together the narratives, the performances of the star-studded cast, especially Jodie Comer, the cinematography, the costumes, uh, some of the most brutal fight scenes I've ever seen on screen. I mean, everything, everything, everything about this movie was expertly done. I hate that this movie isn't more mainstream. Honestly, if you took this film and, like, chopped it into three parts and made it a miniseries on Netflix, I guarantee you it would have been a hit. But unfortunately... As a film, it got lost in the shuffle of all that was going on this year. But the future will be kind in this movie. I promise you that. And I think over time, it's going to be looked at as a classic. I want to pre-order my Criterion Collection edition of Glass Duel right now because that's going to happen. It is an astoundingly good film. Just near perfect. Overall, pretty fun year for films. Hello, Civ Pop. My name is Kristen Siliberto, and I'm one of the contributing writers to Civ uh, Pop, and I'm going to give you my top five favorite films of 2021. Coming in at number five is the Billie Eilish documentary, The World's a Little Blurry. thought it was a really great coming-of-age story, and I loved getting to know Billie Eilish more as an uh, artist, as someone who's also a fan of hers. I really enjoyed the whole story that was put together and how she is like this new face and artist for the generation really great music and just really enjoyed getting to know her more and her family and just love how it shows mental health and her, the rise and struggle of adjusting to fame at such a young age. Coming in at number four is Sean Baker's latest film, Red Rocket. I never laughed a movie so hard, so much with Sean Baker's latest film. I thought Simon Rex was remarkable in this film. I was not expecting to root for him but you really watch his character and all the stuff that he does to people and how manipulative he is you go on this crazy journey with him and i love the performances from brie elrod and Susanna sun and to be honest this is sean baker's best film to date uh, personally speaking i loved how it was filmed during the pandemic with such a small crew he told a really interesting story and I was amazed by it. So coming in at number three is Spider-Man No Way Home. This was the superhero film of 2021. Had a lot of expectations rising on it and with the performances from Benedict Cumberbatch to Zendaya from Tom Holland and then we got to talk about that moment. 
That final third act is everything. It's everything a Marvel fan would want. This might be like the greatest uh, third act probably from a Marvel film since uh, Endgame. So it's great. Love what John Watts did. Awesome film. And if you haven't seen it, where have you been? Honestly, where have you been if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home? Coming in at number two is Mitchell's vs. Machines. Amazing animation. Was not expecting to be laughing so much from an animated film. It's a great film for kids and adults. Reminded me of like some elements from a Pixar movie, but uh, to have Phil Lord and Christopher Miller as executive producers of it made a lot of sense knowing what they did with uh, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs and then knowing that they did with Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse. It made sense that they were attached to this project. Uh, great film, and if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. One is my favorite film of 2021 is, drum roll please. That was a really bad drum roll. I have no musical skills. There are better musical skills and West Side Story as it's my number one favorite film of 2021. Okay, so from Dear Evan Hansen to In the Heights and Tick Tick Boom, those were all just the warm up performances in films. West Side Story is chef's kiss. Loved it. Loved the performances, loved the music, loved the cinematography, loved the direction. and. Everything about it is amazing. I laughed, I cried, I was filled with anger. I had every emotion going on through that film and just the theater experience alone was amazing. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I can't talk about this movie enough. I haven't stopped listening to the soundtrack. And those are my favorite films of uh, 2022. Uh, thank you, Sip Pop, for having me as a writer and I can't wait to see you all in 2022. And go follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Miss Filmingo. Happy New Year. Hey there, this is Matt Lawson coming to you from Houston. I'm one of the newer writers here at Sith Pop joining this past summer, and I would like to share with you my five favorite films of 2021. So let's just go ahead and kick it off at number five, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Man, what a way to continue this Marvel Universe. Just absolutely great fight choreography, a wonderful story, and just mesmerizing visuals. Um, also, bringing back Trevor Slattery was probably my favorite part of it all. Coming in at number four, I have the Nicolas Cage film Pig. This one flew under the radar for me for a while, but I'm really glad I got around to it. It uh, follows a very mountain man-ish Nicolas Cage going on a very John Wick slash Taken mission to find his, uh, his pig that has always been his best trouble searching for a pig. And it's about as amazing as that sounds. Now, moving on to number three. This is where I finally have some animation, and that is The Mitchells vs. The Machines. I have seen plenty of animated films about the downfall of humanity based on our obsession with our technology. And yeah, I usually find them cute and get some laughs, but none of them have ever had me cackling as much as Mitchells vs. The Machine. I don't know how they do it, but Lord Miller somehow keep producing animated films that just have my number. Uh, also have an amazingly talented voice cast here, including Bette Bennett and Brad Armisen, as well as the anime bride Maya Rudolph, who provides some of the best parenting combinations ever. Um, it's just a really great movie if you ever need a laugh. Now my number two film is a little bit of a change of tone from animation. This is where I have Last Night in Soho. This horror film brought to us by Edgar Wright, making his first foray into the genre, was absolutely terrifying. The just straight, vicious killerness of Anya Taylor-Joy 
and the innocence of uh, Thomas McKenzie just contrasted so well and made for an extremely creepy, creepy movie. And without further ado, now we get to number one. Uh, this is one that will likely be many others' favorite film in 2021. And this is where I have Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, I love musicals, and there are just so many great things that came together in this one to make such an amazing film. You have to have a perfect cast, which they do, which includes talented performers like Joshua Henry and Vanessa Hudgens, who I hadn't seen in a while. And obviously, Andrew Garfield is just giving it everything he has in every scene he's in. And I only got around to seeing this about three weeks ago, and not surprisingly, the soundtrack for it has been played in my car nonstop for the three weeks since. And that is going to close out my top five favorite films of 2021. Hope everybody has a great new year and stay safe. All right. Hi, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm May, and these are my top five films of 2021. I'm super excited. First is Pig. Pig is one of the big surprises of the year. It was one of those that I don't think anyone heard about or knew about going into it. We all expected a John Wick with Nicolas Cage going in and killing a bunch of people because they stole his pig. It was something far more meaningful, interesting, subversive than that. Nicolas Cage gives one of the best performances of his career and probably my favorite of his career. And I'm just super happy we get to live in a world where this film exists and definitely more people need to see it. Number four for me is Nightmare Alley. As someone who wasn't a big fan of Guillermo del Toro's past work, Nightmare Alley brings everything I've liked in all of his films and fixes all the things I haven't been really a fan of into, in my opinion, his most cohesive film he's made so far. Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Willem Dafoe, the entire cast, everybody in there gives absolute career best work. It has an excellent look to it and the pace is fantastic. It is genuinely one of the most awesome and underrated and overlooked films of the year so far. Number three is The Suicide Squad. James Gunn, his weird underdog film after being fired from Disney, was such a pleasure to watch in just a big, untethered, creative imagination bursting all over the screen type way. I really appreciated his humor. I appreciated his action. I appreciated the tightness of the plot. I appreciated how much he made me care about people that I've always liked and have had fun enjoying in the comics, but have never really genuinely heartfelt cared about them. Peacemaker, King Shark, Bloodsport, Harley Quinn. Well, I've cared about Harley Quinn, but um, all these people, uh, Polka Dot Man, always super enjoyable to watch, played excellently, and used perfectly. The pace was excellent. It is one of the most well-rounded, well-packaged, rewatchable films of the year that you can watch for any reason at all and always get a good time. Number two is Zack Snyder's Justice League. That is just a super incredible magnum opus for the director. I actually wasn't expecting this to be incredible going in. I've had my flaws with his past DC films, but this is just truly my favorite thing he's ever done. And I loved the vision. I loved the cinematography, the characters, the effects work. It all just came together seamlessly for me. And I think if you just give this huge incredible like visionary director the time to actually be able to realize that vision you might actually get something interesting out of it and whether or not you love it or you hate it it's definitely a great addition to the conversation and i'm so happy that we can have a world where he finally got to realize that vision that he's fought so hard to do for so long and number one the only thing i could ever think of to put here is no time to die this franchise has meant the world to me for a long time it's gone through its ups and downs 
but I've always loved Bond, and Daniel Craig has always been my favorite, so coming to an end was always uh, a little hard for me, and uh, I, it's always, of course, probably not going to be the best, because when is ever the last in a Bond actor's tenure ever been the best one, but this has been my favorite Bond of Daniel Craig's, not only Daniel Craig's of all time. I think this combines everything I love about about Bond, whether it be the, the action, the style, all kinds of other things, even occasionally the silliness that it finally seemed to be unashamed of in the franchise for the first time. But it rounded it all together in a very emotional story that compelled me in a way that I feel like will make this stand the test of time. And uh, so yeah, that those are my top five of the year. Um, thank you so much for having me again, and I am excited to hear everyone else's picks. Thanks. Hello, this is Mike Hilty, contributing writer for SifPop.com. These are my top five favorite movies of 2021. At number five, I have Encanto. Uh, this was um, one that we watched for family movie night with my daughter. Uh, the first time I saw it, I didn't really like it as much, but after re-watching it uh, and just listening to the music, it uh, just kind of getting a sense of what the message was. Uh, I liked it a lot better after rewatching it, and it's just shot up my list uh, as a favorite for 2021. At number four, I have Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Tick, Tick, Boom uh, has MVP for 2021, Andrew Garfield, uh, as Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent uh, and wrote this musical as well. Uh, the fact that Andrew Garfield had to learn how to sing for this um, you would never know it because he just does such a fantastic job. Um, I really like this, really like the rest of the cast and a, a great musical. At number three, I have Coda. Uh, Coda is on Apple TV Plus. Uh, really, really loved it, the emotional moments of it. Um, I had spent a couple summers um, working at Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., so um, this, this hit a sweet spot for me in terms of uh, just appreciation for, um, for you know, people who are hard of hearing uh, so, and, and deaf. So I, I really resonated with this movie a lot. Um, number two, I have Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, this was one that for the Marvel movies I was not looking forward to as much simply because I was really nervous about uh, – the possibilities with this. Uh, I thought it could be possibly too jam-packed, uh, but it was surprised. I, I was surprised at how much I, I loved it. Uh, just great theater moments, uh, great performances, uh, emotional weight. Um, sure, if you think about it, if you think about it a lot, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and there's a lot of questions that come out. But it was still a great experience. Uh, not only watching it in the theater, but just um, just a great movie in general. Um, Number one mo favorite movie for 2021 is Belfast for me. Um, Jamie Dornan continues to uh, amaze me with his acting prowess, uh, and he also just is such a great story, a lot of great messages. Kenneth Branagh definitely, this is definitely a very personal story for him, so uh, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, and those are my top five movies of. 2021. Uh, if you want to follow anything that I do, I am on Serialized and uh, and Letterboxed at 
mhilty24, M-H-I-L-T-Y-2-4. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter uh, so that uh, you can see what I'm writing for SIFPOP, uh, it's hilty underscore Mike. And thanks for listening. Hi everyone, my name's Nick Farrow, I'm a contributing writer for Sif Pop, and here are my five favorite movies of the year. At number five, I'm adding a movie that's not necessarily my favorite of the year, but is definitely one that I think more people should see, because honestly I haven't heard anybody talking about it or mention it, and it came out at like February, so it's called A Map of Tiny Perfect Things. It's an Amazon Prime original, and it has a Groundhog's Day-like premise where the uh, two main characters are stuck in a time loop. Um, the main female uh, protagonist is played by Catherine Newton, who you might know from Freaky, and she just completely steals the show. And the movie itself is just incredibly charming and delightful, and it was funny, and uh, everyone should watch this if you like that type of premise. Uh, and number four... I was going to put Tick, Tick, Boom, but I think West Side Story needs more love than it's getting because it came out at the beginning of December, 12 days before they released every movie at the end of the year, including Spider-Man. So you got to see West Side Story. It's one of those movies where everyone said, why are they remaking this? And after rewatching the original, why wouldn't they remake this? It is a movie that absolutely needed a remake, and the remake is stunning. Stunningly beautiful. Spielberg is the best I've seen him in years, and he he nails every single moment of this movie. At number three, I have The French Dispatch, and it's... It is exactly what everyone says. It's the most Wes Anderson-y movie that's ever Wes anderson and there's a reason for that. It's Wes Anderson at the height of his powers. He does every single Wes Anderson trick in the book, and he does it outstandingly. I just had such a blast watching this movie. It was so much fun. Uh, number two is actually my favorite movie of the year, but I'll explain. Uh, and that is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. It was the most fun I've had in a movie all year long. I've rewatched this movie at least a dozen times already, and it's just so funny. And just, it feels like you're watching a comic book come to life on screen. It's one of my favorites because it just has humor, it has action, it has adventure, and it it's just, it's my favorite. I, I can't I can't explain it. But my number one is a movie that I love to death, and I really think everyone should watch it. It is, in my opinion, the most important movie for people to watch this year, and that is The Mitchells vs. The Machines. It is an incredibly fun family movie that is full of heart, full of laughter, and has a great message. And I, I really like what it says about technology as well as family units and generational learning about how to use technology, the older generation and the younger generation teaching them. And it just, it's just an all around great time. And if you love movies like Spider-Verse, you will love movies like this movie, the the Mitchells versus Machines. So that is my top five of the year. Please check those movies out. You will definitely have a good time with all of them. Hey everyone, my name is Robert Buffard and I'm one of the two editors here at SifPop.com. I thought 2021 was a great year for movies and there are so many I wish I could name drop here in my top five, 
but unfortunately I had five movies that were just too good to keep out of my list. With that being said, my number five movie is Supernova. I'm sure I'll be the only person with this on my list since I don't really know a lot of people who have even seen it. It's about Tusker and Sam, a married couple played by Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci, who are going on an RV trip across the English countryside since Tusker has been diagnosed with dementia and they want one more trip that they can both remember. The film brings up so many moral questions that I love thinking about and discussing, but it'll also tear your heart out while gently starting to put the pieces back together with its final shot. At number four, I have The Father, which is another devastating movie about dementia. Anthony Hopkins won the Oscar for this movie, and it was well-deserved. This movie moved me deeply the only time I've seen it, and it stuck with me for basically the entire year because of the people I've known in my life who have had similar afflictions. It's brilliant in its set design, writing, sound design, and acting, and it has a gutting final moment of catharsis. My number three movie is one I can get much more excited about, and that's Dune. I spent basically my whole life hearing people talk about what it was like to see Star Wars or Lord of the Rings in the theater for the first time, and I just figured I'd never have that kind of experience. But I did with Dune when I saw it opening weekend in IMAX. Denis Villeneuve, or as I like to call him, Dune, crafted a testament to what blockbuster filmmaking can and should be. Full of amazing characters and actors, Dune is not only intimate, but grand as well in its thematic work about humanity, race, religion, politics, and so much more. Hans Zimmer's score is incredible on top of the impeccable direction in this all-but-perfect blockbuster. Number two is Bo Burnham Inside. I've been a fan of Bo Burnham for years, and I never considered he could make something as incredible as this. Along with the amazing music that I haven't been able to get out of my head since May, it has impressive cinematography and filmmaking, especially considering Bo did it all alone in his little house. The way this movie discusses its themes are unique to it alone, and it's all incredibly fascinating and has been dissected to death already. But what makes it so great and worthy of the number two spot is how it so tenderly captures this moment in time and all the anxieties that come with it in a way that basically the whole world can relate to and understand. This is going to be a lasting cultural text for so many reasons. And number one, my favorite movie of the year is Mass. This movie explores what happens when the parents of a victim of a school shooting and the parents of the shooter sit down in a church basement to discuss the tragedy. It's an intimate, genuine, earnest, human, heart-wrenching, brutal, and sincere watch, but it's totally worth your time. I began tearing up multiple times throughout the movie, largely because of what these four incredible actors were saying in their perfect performances. The film wears its emotions on its sleeve, and that's what makes its heartfelt feeling come across as genuine and real. Ultimately a hopeful and uplifting movie, Mass will leave you emotionally devastated, but in a good way. I genuinely think this should be required viewing for everyone, as it gets to the heart of human empathy and understanding. So there you have my top 5 movies of the year. I'm happy to be on to count them down for you, but with that, I'm going to head back to the writer's room. Hey everybody, Rowan Wood here to give my top 5 favorite films of 2021. Number 5 is Dune, Denis Villeneuve's absolutely beautiful adaptation of Frank Herbert's classic novel. Now, I had some trepidation about this movie going in, but I was reading the book right as I was right before I watched the movie and it just blew me away, taking everything I was reading on the page and just bringing it to life in the most fantastic of ways. Dune is is an incredibly satisfying science fiction epic where nearly every frame is a painting. It moves along at an astonishingly fast pace. Even though you might want to brush up on the lore before seeing it, uh, it is still an absolutely incredible film that will go down in history as, I believe, one of the best science fiction films of my generation. Number four is The Green Knight. Now, I know it's somewhat cliche to say this, but The Green Knight is not just a film. The Green Knight is an experience. As I sat in the theater after watching the credits roll, 
I had one word in my head, and that was wow. Um, Dev Patel in the lead, absolutely incredible. The cinematography, breathtaking. The production design blew me away. I'm going to be using that phrase a lot during this list. Um, but this is an incredibly engaging tale that has really transcended literature and transcended the generation, seeing as it's adapted from a 14th century pl uh, uh, poem. Um, but yeah, uh, this uh, the Green Knight might be slow at times, uh, but don't let that fool you. It's just biding that very same time. I would say the Green Knight is destined for the same glory that its main character seeks. Number three is The Last Duel. Yep, we got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck writing together again, and it is just as glorious as you might think. You know, come to think of it, the titular duel is not really as important to the story as you might think. Sure, you know, it is it is the climax, and obviously here I won't say who wins, but it is, you know, it, it's really a means to an end. The real story comes from the Rashomon-esque uh, retelling of various plot points from different perspectives, and that is where this movie really succeeds. Ridley Scott even in his, uh, e even with his age, he still has it. And this movie, uh, you know, I'm not really going to mention House of Gucci here, but uh, but but the last duel is what really exemplifies this, the massive amounts of skill that he still has. And you know, we got we got Adam Driver here acting with Damon and and Affleck, and just the cast here, Jodie Comer. Everyone is incredible, giving a uh, like like giving absolutely amazing performances. So um, yeah, the last duel. Uh, was, you know, is amazing, a great period piece, basically a great everything. Number two is Don't Look Up. I know I love this a lot more than some other people did, um, but, you know, and, and even though it's 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 metaphor, the, the message it, it is imparting is very heavy-handed and not subtle at all, I just love Adam McKay's comedic style. I was laughing throughout this whole movie, um, and yeah, sure, you know, the message and the moral here doesn't leave a lot to the imagination, but it's still a, 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 a ruthless and very well-written attack on on politics and of the the politic uh, the politicization of um, potential events like these and it's just it's great I love all of the performances everyone's comedic timing is on point so yeah after seeing it twice don't look up definitely has a special place in my heart I'm running out of time I know but before I go I am going to talk about Tick Tick Boom my favorite film of 2021 Andrew Garfield is the MVP the music is fantastic Lin Manuel Miranda is actually a pretty great director unsurprisingly and Jonathan Larson is an amazing person whose story I am very glad is finally be being told. Again, my name is Rowan Wood. You can follow me at Bits of Joel on Twitter and on Letterboxd under my name. Let's have a great 2022, everyone! Greetings, Scott Batchelor here, contributing writer for SifPop.com, and here are the five best movies of 2021. Number five is Ron's Gone Wrong. This is the second best animated movie of the year. And this is a movie that is so charming, it takes the best part of Big Hero 6 and extends that idea into a feature-length film. The part where Betamax is, gets a little loopy, and that is exactly what Ron the Robot does throughout the whole movie. It's wonderful, it's funny, it has a lot to say about technology. It's the best movie you haven't seen this year. Number four is Coda. The family dynamic here is something truly special. And it takes the trope of parents not wanting the daughter to go to college, and it makes that trope so much more impactful because of the situation that this family is in, where they're, because they are fully deaf, they rely on their hearing daughter 
for their fishing business. Without her, they are not able to use the boat or to go out and get fish without somebody being able to hear radio calls and the Coast Guard. So it creates this dynamic of everybody in the family wanting what's best for the family while also wanting what's best for themselves. And the ending of this movie is an absolute tearjerker. This movie is just so funny, so emotional, so wonderful. Number three is the best animated movie of the year, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. And this movie hits on the family dynamic much like Coda does, but does it with a lot more humor and quirkiness, which I really enjoyed. Um, the emotional gut punches you really feel because you care about this family. As far as rewatchability goes, uh, The Mitchells vs. The Machines is one of the most watchable movies of the year. The number two movie is Tick, Tick, Boom. Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut uh, as he directs Andrew Garfield through this masterpiece. Everything Andrew Garfield does here is perfect, and his range seeps through every scene. Look at the musical number for therapy for further evidence. In one scene, he is acting frustrated, exhausted, lost, confused, hurt at the drop of a hat. Brilliance doesn't begin to describe Garfield in this movie. And as far as Miranda goes, if this is what he is starting with, I can't imagine what he's going to do going forward. It's going to be wonderful. And the absolute best movie of the year is Bo Burnham's Inside. I love everything about this movie, from its entertaining skits to the incredible music numbers. Each song is an earworm that I could listen to all day, and I do listen to all day. Bo Burnham somehow wraps satire and sincere observation into one amazing must-see film event of the decade. If you need further proof of his brilliance, watch Welcome to Internet to see what exactly you can expect from Bo Burnham's Inside. That has been my top five films of 2021. Have a happy new year, and thank you for listening to the Sif Pop Writers Room. Hello everyone, it's Shane Conta, your Wasteland reviewer and staff writer here at Sif Pop, and these are my five favorite films of 2021. Number five, The Father, and this has stuck it out for this whole entire year to stick in my top five as one of the most moving and artful depictions of dementia ever put to film, bolstering such a powerful and dynamic performance from Anthony Hopkins, who really earned that Oscar, and this film is just emotionally devastating and hit very close to home for myself. My number four favorite film is a film that flew really under the radar for a lot of people, and that's Nine Days. This film boasts a very unique concept of an individual trying to decide what souls would move on to new life, and boasts a beautiful and striking setting. The visuals, the production design feels so lived in. And unique and has such a great ensemble cast with the likes of Tony Hale and Zazie Beetz, Benedict Wong, and an emotional and deep performance right at the center from Winston Duke. My number three film of the year is Spencer, and this is a haunting and beautiful and unique biopic that focuses on one holiday for Princess Diana, who's portrayed with an incredible and committed performance by Kristen Stewart. She just molds right into the role. And everything about her, from her diction, to her physicality, to even her run across the field, 
stands out as something unique and lived in, and the visuals are great. The score is unnerving and haunting in so many ways, and this film boasts such an anxiety-inducing, tense atmosphere while also capturing all of the suffering that this individual was going through in her life. My number two favorite film coming from Netflix, and I am a stickler for westerns, is The Power of the Dog. And this is a deep and resonant film that has a lot to say about masculinity and relationships and abuse, and really boasts some incredible performances, whether it's from Kirsten Dunst, Cody Smith-McPhee, and Benedict Cumberbatch, who should definitely be one of the front runners for Best Actor this year with his performance that's downright despicable. And just something about this film resonates so well, and the score is unnerving, and this film reminds me so much of There Will Be Blood in so many ways, from its visuals to its score, and just anchored by that powerhouse performance by Cumberbatch. And then my number one film of the year, for me personally, has to be Belfast. And from Kenneth Brenna, creates such a perfectly personal film that balances great humor and love and anger and frustration and boasts such a beautiful black and white visual display while also going through some serious issues and also capturing the love of cinema. And this cast from top to bottom is charming and loving. And this is just an absolute blast. But there you have it. Those are my five favorite films of 2021. So there you have it. There's all of our writers that submitted for this. Um, huge thank you for all the writers that uh, that did contribute to this, that, that did participate. Uh, huge thank you for you for listening to this. Uh, we'd love to hear what your top five are as well. Uh, but you've heard each of our writers' favorite five films of the year. And uh, as I mentioned, the point value that I'm using to rank these films is that if a film was fifth on somebody's list, it gets one point. If it was first on somebody's list, it gets five points. Obviously, fourth would be two points, three would be three points, and two would be four points. Uh, so I went ahead and took everybody's rankings, and I gave them the correct uh, point system. Again, remember, this is people's favorite films of the year, not the best. Um, the best was for the Sifties, so um, you're going to have different results. So again, make sure to check out SiftPop.com to check out the Sifty Awards. But... Um, here is the definitive way that this fell out. So films that received one point would be Billie Eilish, The World a Little Blurry, Ron's Gone Wrong, Licorice Pizza, Supernova, Map of Tiny Important Things, and The Eternals. Films that received two points would be uh, Petite Maman, uh, Luca in the Heights, Passing, Raya and the Last Dragon, Spiral from the Book of Saw, Nine Days, Minari, Red Rocket, and Nightmare Alley. Films that received three points are uh, The French Dispatch and Encanto. Uh, films that received four points are King Richard, Roadrunner, Last Night in Soho, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Films that received five points are The Night House, The Power of the Dog, and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, films that received seven points are Pig, 007 No Time to Die, and Don't Look Up. 
Films that received eight is Judas and the Black Messiah. Films that received nine is Dune, Spencer, and The Harder They Fall. Uh, the Father received 11 points. And four films received 12 points. That would be The Suicide Squad, The Green Knight, The Last Duel, and West Side Story. Uh, Mass received 13 points. Uh, deservedly so. Um, uh, Belfast received 15 points. Um, Inside received, Bo Burnham Inside received 17 points. Uh, Coda, my favorite film of the year, received 18 points. Uh, coming in, these are our top three. With 23 points is The Mitchells versus The Machines. With 31 points is Tick, Tick, Boom. And with 40 points is Spider-Man No Way Home. So there you have it. That's the list of the way that this fell out according to the writers that submitted uh, as far as the Civ Pop Writers Room is concerned, these, this is the uh, our ranking of the films that came out. So Spider-Man No Way Home takes the cake for our favorite film of the year with Tick, Tick, Boom and Mitchells vs. the Machines uh, being the uh, number two and number three spots. So lots of good movies on here. Uh, lots of good movies that came out this year that uh, didn't get mentioned at all. Um, and that's just kind of how it shakes out. Uh, great year for movie films or for movie lovers. So let us know what your top five are. Uh, would love to hear what that is. Uh, let us know what you thought of our rankings. Let us know uh, what films you thought really uh, should have performed better. Uh, let us know what films uh, we might have completely missed, uh, a film that you really loved that isn't on uh, our list at all. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, you can do that over on Twitter, at Sifpop. But on that, that's going to be a wrap. A uh, quick reminder that Sif Pop Riders Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. If you're interested in writing for SifPop.com, if you want to join our crew, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us a question to explore during the B-plot on a separate episode. You can uh, email us at writersroom at SifPop.com for any of those. Uh, or if you want to get in contact with me via Twitter uh, or Letterboxd, you can do that at Schweitcastle. would love to hear what you thought of this episode, what you thought of our uh, rankings. Uh, and be sure to t head over to Patreon to take advantage of all the great perks offered there. Sifpop, patreon.com slash SifpopWR. Well, thanks for sticking around with us. Um, if you're interested in following any of our writers on their social media platforms, those will be available uh, if you just listen to the episode again, or I'll, I'll have them in uh, on Twitter as we uh, post this episode. So um, thanks for sticking around. Next week, uh, come back where Andrew Ormsby and I will be talking about what TV we've been watching recently. Should be a good time. So uh, make sure to come back next week to, to hear about that. But thank you so much for checking this episode out. Thank you so much to all our writers who submitted. Really love 2021 uh, as a movie year, as a Civ Pop year. Uh, really excited to see what 2022 is going to do.